out. It looks like the clock is about to strike midnight on this Cinderella story. It's uh, refreshing, yet uh, displeasing to the eye. Somebody has run out on the field. Some goofball in a hat and a red shirt. Now he takes off the shirt. It's a bold strategy, Cotton. Let's see if it pays off for him. In the dying seconds! Unbelievable! They wouldn't say die! That just shows that they didn't come to play. They really come to play here at the MCG tonight. Welcome to another week of They Came to Play and what a confusing week of football it was. And to talk through all the fascinating stories and some of the footy. Uh, hello, Tess Armstrong. Hello, Limo. Hi, Danny. Really looking forward to um, a nuanced discussion about Richmond's week. It's going yeah. to oh, be about Richmond. Hello, Danny McGinley. Hello, Limo. Yes, it's uh, we are still in uh, isolation lockdown, which is a shame because this will be another episode where I don't just get to grab you behind, Limo, as we record and, and, and molest the general nether regions of, of my teammate. I know. I really miss those bonding moments. Tess, <laughs> what is going on at your football club? Look, I really don't know. And I will say Peter Ryan wrote a great article in The Age um, in Victoria on the weekend. And he also at the end talked about how Dan Butler had been pulled into had to be pulled into line at St Kilda. And they were like, it's not on, which really made me like concerned that it was a deeply Richmond problem. Um, and it, it came out a couple of weeks ago because uh, Jaden Short, there was footage of Jaden Short grabbing at Marbia in the circle after the game. And I was like, that's weird. And then the next week it was, um, our senior players, and if you haven't seen the vision and you think people are, like, carrying on about nothing because you haven't actually clicked through and read the article or, like, looked at the vision and you've formed an opinion before you've actually looked at the information, um, then it might be good for you to look at the information and see how incredibly uncomfortable Marbia looks in that circle after the game. He has to leave certain spots and then when everybody is hugging and celebrating together, he has to be on the outside covering his private regions and his bum so that they stop going at him like it's clearly just stupid and also what made me mad with all footy stories for all time and it's just the nature of the game we're so one-eyed right and unable to say our club or our player did the wrong thing and with Richmond the thing that really annoyed me um, over the weekend with certain Richmond fans is they were unable to see that as a story that was deserving of being talked about and I thought well hang on When our culture, when our amazing culture was the reason that won us premierships, you're all very thrilled to be leaders in that and the fact that everyone else would copy us and copy our culture and it was amazing, amazing, amazing. So when that culture looks like it's wrong, why wouldn't we be leaders again and say, hey, this is actually inappropriate, we're going to stamp it out and everybody else, you know, learn from us, it's no good, and just accept that we've done the wrong thing. Tess, were there any Richmond fans who were maybe saying if, if only maybe your chole uh, didn't dress that way in those revealing shorts? No. It wouldn't have happened. Why <laughs> you talk about Port Adelaide? Because they, well, sure, talk about Port Adelaide too, but you're still then accepting that the, what Port Adelaide have done is the wrong thing. If you're, if you're sharing photos of Collingwood players doing it, you're still saying that what Richmond did was the wrong thing. So just say, hey, you know what, that whole thing where you're trying to stick your bump, finger up people's bumps when they clearly don't want it, Maybe don't do that. And my other point that is so frustrating forever is that AFL football players are so 
protected from the realities of the world. If, say, for example, and I hope it doesn't happen, but Jaden Short or Nick Flosson have a career-ending injury in the next month and they need to get a job in an office, right, and they go to the kitchen at lunchtime and they try and stick their finger up the bum of their manager, they're probably unlikely to stay in that job. They're not going to have hundreds of thousands of colleagues being like, leave them alone. What about what happened at that other office the other week? That's outrageous. And then completely have things under the carpet grow up and act like actual adults and go you know what we're being dicks and we look like 15 year old boys who never left school and it's about time that we need to grow up and like treat each other with a bit more respect in the workplace how about it Uh, how about it well said tess well said and what the thing that made me um kind of shake my head when people were discussing this is when people were saying yeah but he was fine with it he didn't care he was fine (laughs) Well, I've watched the vision and he didn't exactly lean into it. No. And can I also say, another point, while I'm on it, is it possible that in your football coverage someone in the room can say with a bit of nuance, isn't it likely that someone who is only finding, just finding their way into the team at any stage because we have four senior players that are due to come back into the team next week and the week after, he would be dropped? In what universe would, would a young player whose actual, you know, uh, role in the team and spot in the team is at risk say to the senior players, hey, you're making me feel really uncomfortable and kick up a fuss. That just would never happen. Mm. Like have a bit of an understanding and also you can love your team with all of your heart and cry as I do with every goal and every stupid decision and just ride every emotion and still think they've done the wrong thing and still think they can get better. And that's what actual love is, that you respect your team enough, you think they've actually got it in them to not act like buffoons. I I completely agree, Tess. I mean, I feel uh, about, well, like, you know, we're a bit of a family here. Uh, We, we, you know, I love you guys uh, both. Uh, However, I will criticise you when need be, and and I'll do it right now. You both support horrible football teams, and I just can't get over that. (laughs) This is what it comes down to, does it, Danny McGinn? (laughs) I look past that. I look past your flawed choices and see you as my beautiful friends. Yeah. So the reason I can't see you is I can't see past all the Premiership Cups. That's my issue, Danny. You know the um, Mitchell and Webb skit with the Nazis? That's what it reminded me of on the weekend where it was like they're Nazi soldiers and then they look at each other and they say, oh, my God, I think we're the baddies. And on the weekend I was like, oh, no. (laughs) You're the baddies. Tess, I'll tell you what I thought. When I saw that vision, which, by the way, Every footballer in the competition knows that the team song is being filmed by about 10 different cameras. So the ease with which they did that, knowing that cameras were in the room, made me think how acceptable it is in their minds as behaviour. But my second thought added to that is, can you imagine what's going on at Mad Monday if they're pulling that stuff uh, in front of the cameras? Yes, and I also think, like being quite serious, that it is very important to remind young men that you don't get to touch other people without their consent and you can carry on all you want so, oh, worse stuff happens at local footy. That's not actually a good thing. That's actually quite a bad thing. And I don't want the players going out after and thinking they can do whatever they want in the world and there's never going to be any, like, any, like, 
What do you call it? Well, I hope they, they're not going to do that, Tess. But I, I like this fantasy you have where, where you know, uh, Nick Floston has to go get another job after footy and he cannot comprehend that things are, are different in footy. Well, so say he, he's there with his sales manager, they close a big deal. Does he go in to start singing the song with him? <laughs> Pour Gatorade all over the receptionist? No, Gatorade on the first day. On the, yeah. <laughs> I'm sure that, like, a lot of people, and I and I have grown up inside football clubs. I'm, I do know what they're like. I'm not an idiot. That's like a Pollyanna, but I do think that there you go into certain clubs and you don't actually see that, and you don't actually have to be like that. And so it doesn't mm. always have to be like that because that's the way you know your dad played. And also, I've spoken to my dad and several other older players this week. They're like, no one. If anybody tried to touch you, there, you just whack them. Like, that's not- <laughs> You know, at Geelong, they tried to do it to Joel Selwood, but he kept ducking his head. So <laughs> uh, it was a very, very unusual. Also, I loved um, just the idea of a political journalist coming into the footy. Yeah, and that always thrills me as an actual journo because they are so unable to deal with a, a proper journo who would prosecute the prime minister coming into the world of AFL, and they go, "You're not. You don't belong here. This is not where you belong." And that- in the football world and made a story of it. Uh, That was, of course, Hugh Rimminton jumping on it. I think it was a Zoom presser, was it? Yes. Uh, Questioning uh, Damien Hardwick and Dino was just like, no, that's the end of this, I'm going. (laughs) Basically hung up the call. Uh, It's so funny. Uh, Um, Anyway, safe to say we won't see any of that inappropriate business uh, from the Tigers or any team. Uh, for the rest of the year and hopefully forever uh, on that particular matter. Um, now, let's uh, let's press on uh, with the games if we can. Gee, last Monday was a long time ago, wasn't it? Uh, when you yeah, embarrassed themselves, Danny. <laughs> I don't think we need to spend too much time on this. we got Chelsea Roffey coming up. Uh, I think just uh, we should do like one word reactions to the games from last week just because we got you know we don't wanna, we don't want to make this a 3 hour pod so yeah, sure. I'll just start uh, dogs v port one word reaction yeah, okay I'm going to have more than one word uh, reaction but my reaction is just to the western bulldogs players the two the goals is a bit in between the two big sticks that's <laughs> that's the goals Maybe that's how you do it down at Hawthorne, mate. But us in the West, we've got our own ways, all right? All right. If you want to do things the easy way <laughs> and keep cheating using those big post loopholes, not on my watch, pal. We we earn our points the working class way. <laughs> that's right. Uh, well, they didn't quite get you over the line, though, did it, last Monday? Uh, Tess? Two words, Charlie Dixon. Unbelievable. Yeah. Best. It's just super enjoyable watching a full forward just completely kill it so his hands are made of super glue he's a he's a giant unit these days hey uh, let's go to tuesday night here's my reaction to that game more than one word but it's for the lions players the goals is the bit between the two that's what you never aim for Oh, that was quite an, I mean, I loved it, don't get me wrong. And I had to watch, I was actually recording something, so I, was, I had that um, classic double screen where I had my work screen up. It was like reading a fake newspaper in the park but actually reading a gossip mag because I had the footy on behind it. Behind it. it was so exciting because we just looked awesome and we haven't played like that in such a long time. And it was so good to have Dusty and Koch and Jack 
all playing well together. Um, but it, it, it is really annoying even when the opposition don't kick any goals because you're like, oh, it's not really representative of the contest. Well, what would have been quite representative is if uh, if the umpires kicked the goals for you. Fair dinkum, they loved you on Tuesday night. <laughs> well, they didn't love it on the weekend, despite Port Adelaide thinking that. So it all evens out. The footy world evens out. Well, while we're talking about the umpires, um, and I know we've got Chelsea Roffey coming up in just a moment, but did you see, you two see the tweet that I looped you in on yesterday about the... Was that the one where the the supporters of the two clubs that have made the most grand finals in the past decade were whinging? Uh, No, no, it was a response to the allegation uh, that Hawthorne get all these free kicks, uh, you know, the free kick Hawthorne call that we hear all the time. Well, this was an analysis of free kicks over the last 15 years. And let's have a look down the free kick differential list. Who do the umpires love at the top of the ladder? The West Coast Eagles. Classic. Who do the umpires hate at the bottom of the ladder? It's the Sydney Swans. Who's second to bottom? Hawthorne. And look at this. Fourth from the top, the Western Bulldogs. Five, six, seven, and ninth, Richmond. Well. (laughs) I'm so proud to be ninth. But also, um, Limo, we should just, I haven't had a chance to actually look at who did that research. And if it was done by you or out of sanctum, then I'll be very suspicious. Yes, how much does Limo sound like uh, Donald Trump going through the charts with that Australian uh, journalist last week? <laughs> you two sound like Donald Trump calling fake news when your theories have been disproven. Well, um, I stand, I've deleted my Twitter account since you tagged me in it, so I can't go back and look. Anyway, here it is. So statistical proof that the Hawks have been dudded by the umpires for the last 15 years and the Bulldogs have been nursed like little babies, along with the West Coast Eagles, North Melbourne and Carlton. Well, it's really worked out well for Carlton, hasn't it? North Melbourne. And North Melbourne. <laughs> okay, let's move on to our next game. It is the Catters and North Melbourne, which was God, feels like it was four and a half years ago. It was last Wednesday. And we could each give our opinions on this, uh, but we've got a special guest who was actually there at the game, at the Gabba, um, our very own, they came to play, friend of the show, Chelsea Roffey. Hello. Yay. Hello. Hello. Yes, it feels like a, a, an age ago. I don't even know what day it is, to be honest, all this footy running into each other, but um, I was there, apparently. Um, is, it any, is it any consolation for North Melbourne that they were accurate? Nine goals, three. Excellent night in the office. Look, it's always nice to um, – to, oh, I don't want to be smart. I was going to say change things up a bit. But, um, no, I think it was – a good showing from them, uh, and they probably needed to to step up a little bit in that department. So, I think it's very hopeful. And Chelsea, are you okay? Because you got uh, almost bowled over one of the goals of the year by Cam Guthrie, but that you, you almost got taken out. You should see the scab on my shin. Oh, uh, it actually drew yeah. blood, but um, it's okay. Look, these are the things that you do as a goal umpire. Um, obviously, important to commit to the position. Uh, when necessary, so just one that just got touched over the line. So um, yes, I'm okay. I'm okay. okay. Thank God. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I just got a little battle scarred, but it's all right. Chelsea, do you get to call a trainer out if you are injured mid quarter? Uh, look, I don't see why not. Um, I deliberately didn't look at this particular injury until after the game because I just didn't want to put myself off. 
Uh, no, nah, it wasn't that bad. I knew there'd probably be some bruising. But if we needed some um, assistance, definitely. Um, if you recall, do you recall, actually it was a Bulldogs game, Danny, several oh, years yeah. ago where the goal umpire uh, had similar actions. So players fell across his leg and poor Courtney did his ACL and quite a few other things. Oh. And he had to stretch it off. The good thing about getting being an umpire getting stretched off is I'm sure the crowd would be very sympathetic to your cause. <laughs> oh, without a doubt. It's the sort of stuff they love the most. I think right up there with, you know, bounces that go a bit, bit skewed and all of that. <laughs> yes. Uh, Chelsea, your injury on a scale of one to Isaac Quainor, where does it sit? <laughs> oh, God, look, it's got to be. It's not even a one, honestly. It's a point five. Okay. <laughs> oh, you warrior. Um, and, I am. And Chelsea, you've now done two North Melbourne games in a row. Does that happen very often or is that kind of a quirk of the uh, hub life that you end up kind of seeing the same players each week? I think it happens from time to time. Um, I wouldn't necessarily say it's a quirk of hub life. I, I don't think there's a – from our coaches who – appoint us to the games on a, like a weekly basis. I don't think there's sort of a, a deliberate attempt to, to get us two in a row with the same team or anything, but sometimes it just happens that way. Uh, so, yeah, I guess, look, potentially a bit of a quirk of hub life, but I ended up having them in Adelaide as well. So I think that, yeah, it's, it's a, non, a non-quirk of, of hub life. So, Have yeah, one. it just happens. Do you miss Ben Brown too, running at you for like 15 minutes until he kicks the goals? Yeah. I, I miss that. I'll say to the guys last week that I do count his steps <laughs> because you like to just see the, the ball off the boot. So, um, yeah, I do miss it. I think it's 32. It's good. I think, yeah, from memory. Steps. Josh Kennedy from West Coast has 94, but they all take place in about a one metre. Uh, so, now, Chelsea, we've got a couple of questions for you. Uh, your expertise. Danny, first of all, what's the, what's the specific question you have about uh, signaling a goal. Well, last week we got you to. Uh, we asked you when the uh, back in the old days when the black and white footage. You see the goal umpires doing a sort of. It's more a push out with their two fingers. And we asked you when did it become more the uh, the ninety degree uh, straight. You know, locked elbow. Uh, and did you find out? I've done a bit of research on this. I've, I've consulted the archives of the Umpires Association through our historian, David Flegg, who's an absolute legend of umpiring. And um, I also, I've been looking at a lot of YouTube clips because there's been a real evolution. In the 60s, it was, a bit, it was the era of suspense, I think, where it was sort of your signal from wherever you want, doesn't matter how far away from the goal, um, you know, they're behind the line, near the behind post, and there's a real like horizontal push out. Yeah, and then I reckon yeah. this, the 70s was more of a um, – it was a bit loose, to be honest. I was seeing different things happening. So um, And for the 70s. That's it. It's a reflection of society, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Uh, so, but, <laughs> um, you know, some arms going straight up. There were some arms going straight down. I've even seen some – I don't know who it was, but someone going straight down with the arms with like a thumbs-up action, which is very Whoa. unusual. But I reckon the turning point probably came around – in the 80s, probably around 1982, when Jim Mahoney was appointed as the first goal umpire advisor for the VFL oh. and really set about creating a, a bit of a style. So um, I, I suspect that's when things started to change and there was a more consistent approach. And, um, yeah, the videos would suggest to me that that's when the, uh, the two-part action came in of the 90-degree uh, elbow angle. And is this just riveting? Have we us? still got everyone on the line? <laughs> <laughs> is this the most interesting stuff you've ever heard? 
loving it. Good, yeah. I knew you would ask me about Jim Mahoney, and I, I can't, I can't answer any more questions than that at this point in time. Oh, he's like Batman. Um, but yeah. he should be, it's a name that should be known by people right across the AFL because he's made Absolutely. a significant contribution. Absolutely. Goodness me. There are so many tweaks that seem to happen with um, with goal umpiring as, and that probably go unnoticed, Lima, I'm going to be honest. They probably yeah. go unnoticed. Um, but little things like I think today, oh, like I remember when they brought four flags in. In the old days, they used to just have a flag on each post and so the umpire would run to each post to grab both flags. And then... Um, in the modern era, they brought four in. So you keep three in one post and, and one in the other. I don't know if you knew that. Hmm. <laughs> so they're, they're, the they're just one for? Well, we've got the two goal flags on the right-hand side and then there's yeah. a, there's a, a behind flag on the right-hand post as well. So if you have a behind near the, the right-hand post, you just grab the one flag. Ah. It's, it's all about efficiency. Oh, right, okay. So it's not that the flags are different. It's just that two are packaged together and one's packaged separately. That's it. And, I don't, and, now I, and now I feel silly. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, we love this. Yeah, I'm getting it. I like it. Yeah, I like all it. these little things. Yeah. Um, and, Chelsea, there's a, uh, there's a furphy ad on at the moment mm. where a guy tells a furphy and he describes his team needing seven points to win and he kicks the footy and he kicks it so hard that the leather goes through the goals and the bladder goes through the points. But So a couple of questions. Firstly, he says... The the leather went through for a six, which yeah. just makes me want to throw a brick at my television. <laughs> um, who on this planet calls it a six? Have you ever heard anyone refer to a goal as a six? No. No, you're right there. I No, I haven't heard that. No. Um, An otherwise classic ad. An otherwise beautifully uh, told story. Well, what would you have given it, Chelsea? I mean, do you follow the bladder? My instinct would be follow the bladder. That's the that's the heart and soul of the ball. The the leather is just its clothes. Yeah. You'd have to you got to protect your goals. That's where I'm going with that. You've got to protect your goals, and so you'd be uh, protecting that leather through for six, <laughs> and uh, obviously keeping your eye on that that bladder. Is, Chelsea, is there something in the rules that caters for this scenario? I wouldn't be surprised if there is, Limo, and actually I could probably get back to you next week on that one. But uh, <laughs> You just want a segment, Chelsea's Corner, every week. That's it. We spend, yeah, a segment uh, looking at one page of an 86-page document. Uh, there are right, so no, let's lock her in. Next week, we want to know, Chelsea, what is the official ruling if that occurred in an AFL game? <laughs> I, oh, that's actually, I didn't think that deeply about it. You know where it got me going? I, I actually have thought for a, a while now that if you hit the post, it should just be seven points because it's not that easy oh. to hit the post. Oh, my wife says this. What, about, what if the ball, Chelsea, how would you feel if the ball bounced back into play off the post and it's play on? We trialled that in a uh, pre-season and it's the most counterintuitive thing to do after you've spent, you know, I don't know, 10 years learning that that's, yeah. that's a point. <laughs> uh, so that was fun. <laughs> and uh, learning that one on the fly. Yeah. So they, that lasted about one preseason, I think, and then they, they did away with it. Do you remember that? Did you see any games? Yeah, yeah, that? I liked it. I can't really remember that, but with, as part of that trial, if it hit the post and went through the goals, was that still a goal or was that a behind? Oh, now you're testing me. I'm going to say I'm gonna say it was a mm. behind. 
Couldn't be a goal. What if it um see the only issue I see with um hitting the post being seven points is that someone who's like a real trick shot person will mm. try and kick it to hit one of the goalposts and then get it to bounce to the other goalpost. Would that be four ten points? Well, what if it? What if it was just on the full? What if? Why, why don't we make it more complicated and just and bring <laughs> the game? Well, you know, and then go. Oh, it's only from set shots. What right. about only from set shots? Only from outside fifty, <laughs> and it's got to be on the full. Okay, you've lost me. All right. We'll have to do more um, video guides. Like they have, they might have to do a video guide with holding the ball. We may need to do a, a video guide with this. Like what? What? <laughs> <is> <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. Anyway, because what would happen if you didn't have any conditions on it, people would run into an open goal and then kick the ball into the post, which would be weird. To yeah. People doing that. yeah. You're finding you're finding holes in my argument. Yes, that's very good. But only from set shots is a good place to start, Chelsea. I like yeah. what you think. I like your thoughts. Just All right. Set shots. Well, Chelsea, um, you're a superstar as always, but we're going to talk to you again next week because we've set your homework. Oh, beautiful. I hope I've added to this uh, riveting discussion and uh, you <laughs> your, your listeners have uh, learned a lot, a little bit more about the world of goal umpiring. Uh, legacy. <laughs> you always add to the discussion. Uh, quick, do, do you, are you allowed to give us a tip on where you think the AFL Grand Final might finish up? Uh, probably not. But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, look, I, I don't know. I'll, I'll let you know next week. Okay. Right. That's my sitting on the fence. Yeah. What are you guys, what, what's your tip? What are we guessing? Um, look, I would love it to be in Adelaide, but that, I'm, I'm biased towards Adelaide. The thing is, Adelaide Oval is such a great stadium too. Like yeah, it's, it is. you know, it would really harness a uh, fantastic atmosphere. And I know the last few weeks, um, look, obviously I had Melbourne teams, um, so we didn't have that big a crowd. But even with 10,000 there, um, they've been pretty exciting. So it's, it's, you know, even if they had to to limit numbers, it'd be a pretty good venue. It's uh, it'd be a spectacular atmosphere at uh, at Adelaide. Uh, but apparently, Perth uh, the Gabba is currently the favourite, and yeah. followed by Perth Stadium, followed by Adelaide Oval. Mm. Watch this space, indeed. Uh, thank you, Chelsea Roffey. Have a great week. You too. Lovely to chat. The second game last Wednesday night was the Adelaide Crows and Melbourne and didn't this live up to everyone's ex- <laughs> I will say um, if in our special Patreons only episode, which we do on a Wednesday night for people who are patrons, if you want to get extra content, you can sign up for that. We did take um, the only betting we encourage is whether or not I would go to sleep um, before this game started or in which quarter I would go to sleep. And you'll be thrilled to know I went to sleep before the game started. <laughs> I was pretty oh. in bed, um, tucked up, and then I woke up in the morning. I thought, oh, I wonder if I'm – oh, no, it's fine. doesn't matter. You made a very wise choice, Tess. Well, you guys are so negative about this game. I want to I want to actually say that this was really good for my mental health, uh, this game, because we're in such a dark time in our history. There's no work. There's no hope. It's terrible. Everything changes every day. There's no – there's just so much uncertainty. It's doing a lot of people's heads in. Thank God for the Adelaide Crows. That's what I say. Thank God for the Adelaide Crows being consistently terrible. It's the one bedrock we can rely on. Yes, uh, you've got a very good point there, Danny. They uh, never let you down, do they, from a consistency perspective? Uh, I say they should get a special award at the end of the season. Kudos to you, Adelaide. 
well done, pros, for uh, giving us something we can rely on week to week. Well, that's true. I did love um, seeing in that game Ned McHenry, who I'd never heard of before, go with Taylor Walker. I mean, Kane Corns has done a whole thing about this, but just try and like totally off-ball attack Max Gorn. Quite controversial because he was injured. And then I didn't realise this because, of course, I was asleep. And then during the week the AFL put out this um, video that Ned McHenry had done about a cup of tea. I don't know if you guys saw this. And so he went from like zero to hero back to zero in my in like the space of 24 hours to me because I'd never heard of him. The first thing I see is this amazing video where his nana teaches him that if you have a cup of tea, you know how you always get drip while you have to put the tea bag either in the bin or wherever you keep tea bags? Anyway, you do a free motion like shake of the bag over the cup and then there's no more drip. And he was very proud of it. And I was like, what a total legend. And then I saw the video off-balling Max Gordon and I was like, wow, that type of cup of tea nana guy is... <laughs> What? I'm confused. What a roller coaster. I've never heard of this person before. And now I know a lot about him in a very short space of time. Will his nickname be the Herbal Assassin? <laughs> Danny, I think it should be now. All right, lock that in. The Herbal Assassin, Ned McHenry. It's a very, I can see that. It's got movie, that's a movie title right there The Herbal Assassin. <laughs> I love it. The first in a franchise. There'll be six or seven films in that franchise, I reckon. Oh, definitely, yeah. Uh, the Herbal Assassin, well, the one bright point out of the uh, out of the game last Wednesday night. And then Thursday night, I was sitting at home thinking to myself, oh, I can't wait, actually, for the Gold Coast-St. Kilda game. I'm really looking forward to it. It's great to have a bit of Thursday night footy. And I was settling in. It was about to start. And then I looked at something on my phone. It's like, oh, I've totally forgotten the Collingwood Sydney game. <laughs> and I completely forgot it. And I was reading some people were writing about Dacos oh, yeah. some goal like his dad. And then I went, oh, right, yeah, totally missed that game. It's um, so hard to keep up. It honestly is so hard to keep up because especially tonight there's a doubleheader as well, which I forgot about. And um, that Dacos goal, though, was awesome, unbelievable. And I, it made me happy that Collingwood had won because that was the sealer and I thought that is that's saying something. It's weird, isn't it? Although something uh, that Josh Dacos really needs to work on uh, is I've watched that goal a few times. It is some great uh, magic, but he doesn't stick his tongue out the way his dad did. You know, when, remember when Peter Dacos, every time he had a shot, he poked his tongue towards the sticks? Mm. At what stage of his career did his tongue go further out from his mouth because I feel like Josh is too young so he doesn't want to start doing it yet. Oh, um, uh, all right. We'll get on to the Collingwood historians. Is, is there a stat for this? Uh, <laughs> we, can, we can ask Swamp. I don't know if Swamp's got it. A few, a few people have uh, asked me directly uh, if they can uh, – if, if because they, they want to stump our man Swamp, who we should get on an episode, I think, uh, yeah. uh, very soon. Um, but someone was asking me, because uh, Charlie Cameron kicked a goal without his boot on at some point in the last two weeks, and uh, they wanted to know who's got the most stats wearing only one footy boot. And another one, someone tweeted us about, because um, someone made their debut, the guy who made the debut for Carlton yesterday, and he, he supported Carlton, oh, yeah. and they wanted to know how many uh, people date, have ended up playing for the club they supported as a kid. Oh. oh, that's great. This was Alex on Twitter who's got in touch. Good on you, Alex. Thanks for listening. Well, if Swamp can answer these questions, he's a better man than I 
already thought he was. We'll talk about that Carlton game later because there is just great vision of that guy, um, a photo of him kicking and his kicking style and his granddad who played for Carlton. And it's just beautiful. They've got the same kicking style and his dad, his granddad played in the 1950s. It's just so nice. I never, I really think if you could draft only um, fans of your team, that would be quite a funny way to go. <laughs> well, no, it can backfire, actually, Tess. Um, I remember hearing Ted Richards, former Sydney Swan, but he started his career at the Bombers, and he loved the Bombers growing up, and even as a teenager just idolised them. And he said when he got to training, he found himself uh, sort of uh, not training as hard because he didn't want to take the spot of one of his heroes on the Ooh. team. He didn't want to be the reason that one of his idols got dropped. So he was a much better player once he left his childhood club. Yeah, right. That just that just reeks of excuse to me. No, I just wasn't trying very hard because I didn't want to didn't want to get in the way of the other guys. All right, Ted, if you're listening, I'll give you Lemo's address. Yeah. <laughs> I, uh, lovely guy, Ted Richards, by the way. Yeah, big big fan. <laughs> <laughs> and they did a side test. They did a side by side of Josh Dacos and Peter Dacos. I don't know if you saw it. I did. Dacos did that banana against the West Coast Eagles during the final series in uh, 90, I think it was, uh, next to Josh. And they a lot of similarities between those two as well. So good. Okay. So good. Um, but the game I did know about uh, was one of the best games of the year so far. Uh, the Gold Coast Suns and St Kilda, 11 goals, 8 to 12 goals, 6. This thing was a joy. I forgot what it felt like when everybody was just having a super fun time about the football. Like online, everyone was loving it. At the actual ground, everyone was loving it. The players looked like they were having fun. The two coaches were having fun. I couldn't go to bed because it was so exciting. Like it was just so high scoring. The King brothers was a good story, even though they didn't have a touch for the first quarter. And it was just um, Dan Butler playing amazing. It was just super great to feel that exhilaration about the game, which I've really been missing. That's it. I said this in the Patreon episode. I think there's some worrying signs for St Kilda. I know everyone's up and about thinking that they're they're great, but Mm. it's going too well for them. And St Kilda fans will know this in the back of their heads, that the footy gods will not allow them this much joy. Yeah. The footy gods will punish them by being able to play in the grand final without any fans. That's well, they play the Cats uh, today, actually. So by the time people are listening to this, they'll probably already know. But if I was a Saints fan, I would be wanting Geelong to win that. <laughs> but you'd never tip against yourself. Because that would be outrageous. Well, if I think I was a St Kilda fan, I'd have learnt to tip against myself. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it was so good though. And I feel like they're going to be, that's going to be a good rivalry going forward, which is fun when new ones emerge because they've had quite a lot of close games, similarly with Pies and Swans. I mean, they have really close games every time they play. And so it's always quite good if you can look forward to those ones. Absolutely. Well, you know, I just thought a a stat that I would love is... uh, the lowest number of possessions combined by brothers in a game of football. Oh, yeah. Because the Queen Kings went t- didn't touch the ball in the first quarter. I just want to find the most disappointed parents ever. <laughs> Failing at the same time out on the ground. Yeah. Barracking for not your son would be complicated. Yes. I'm just thinking of the uh, the Simpsons episode where where Bart and Lisa are playing pee wee hockey against each other, and and then in the end they they both uh, I think it's a draw, and Homer's crying saying they're both losers. 
<laughs> yeah, no. Uh, well, that might have been the King Parents have a, a, a cracking game, uh, nonetheless. And, uh, you know, is, is this the best? I think this is the best Gold Coast Suns have ever played. Is it? For sure. There was a patch there back when Ablett won the Brownlow where they were playing really, really good. But sim- like similarly, back in that day, it was all around him playing well. And then everyone else looked yeah. better. It was going to have a shimmer effect on everybody else. And so when he did shoulder, it was quite, it kind of fell to pieces. Whereas at the moment, they've never played like more of a team. They have a guy in defence. I'm trying to remember his name. He's so young, but he plays such great defensive footy. And he's always in, in the contest. And I just feel like they really are. And like Trick Miller, they've got all these players that can kick all these freaky goals. And yeah. they've kind of got, they're sharing the load. It's just I quite like them. There is uh, there's a lot to love about the Gold Coast Suns, and I'm looking at a picture of Dan Butler on the AFL website. He's playing some good footy, and he's got his, but he's got one finger pointing up. I think he might have just kicked a goal, and all I can think is where has that finger been? <laughs> Richmond. Keep your fingers to yourself. Yeah. <laughs> he might be uh, from now on. Uh, so let's move on to, gee, Friday night. Let's go to Friday. It's so confusing. Oh, yeah. Friday, Essendon and the Giants. Man. Yep. Yeah. Congratulations, Bombers. You win the depressometer. It is absolutely grim down there. I was talking to my Bomber supporting mate, Casper, and I said, when was, when was the last time you felt excited about a team? You know, we, you know, a young group of players because you know they've they've made finals. They haven't won any, but they've made finals. And he genuinely said he hasn't felt excited about that club since two thousand three, and he's very worried because I've often said that um, Essendon and New Richmond they win a couple of games and their fans go absolutely ballistic, like they're going to win the flag, and then they're inevitably disappointed. But my mate Casper is worried that they're actually more like Melbourne after the 1960s curse of the red fox that uh, they were once mighty but the league has passed them by and they will now be a shamozzle for decades and what will the curse be called will it be the curse of the peptide uh, it's got to be the Sheedy curse, I think. Yeah. Uh, it's hard choosing a curse name. Sheedy is the obvious one. I mean, Hawthorne are, of course, still suffering, Tess, from the Brian Lake curse. Uh, they have not won a final since Brian Lake left in 2015. <laughs> it's a very good one. It haunts them. It really does. Do we actually haven't won a final since then either? Oh, I know. I did research during the week. Yeah, good job. I remember when James Hood's first ever press conference as coach of Essendon, well, I might be paraphrasing, but it's close to as possible. He said, um, I'm really excited about this, uh, you know, great football club. I love it, blah, blah, blah. Um, and he, it has absolutely hit rock bottom. So it's only up from here. <laughs> oh. <laughs> have been more wrong. <laughs> no, I do only 10th or something like that on the ladder, though. That's the confusing thing. Oh, they're 11th below you, Danny, because... It's very hard to get a read this season because for ages I thought Melbourne are terrible, right? They're just like they're back to being terrible. But they're um, they're in the beloved ninth position at the moment and on the way up. And Essendon didn't feel like they were going that terribly for a while and then all of a sudden it filled with despair. And so I kind of feel like we're getting this super quick version, like a condensed version of how our emotions usually fall out over a year. But instead of usually like you start really well and then you go to pieces, it's just such a roller coaster for Essendon. I couldn't agree more, Tess. Yeah, I, I was shocked to look at, look at the ladder and just say, yeah, because I've just assumed Carlton are good. 
but because uh, they've had a few wins, they're just better than normal. But yeah, they're thirteen. Yes, they're rubbish. Whereas we're like speaking about Carlton in really quite glowing terms, even though they keep conceding thirty plus point leads in games, and so they're not really doing anything very different from from last year's Carlton. So I was like, so why is Essendon so down and out? And I think it's just confusing. Like their coaching situation at the moment speaks to me about where they're just not sure where their club is at. I feel like they need to accept that they're no longer one of the big clubs and go back. They have a lot of members, but go find something else to bind you about. Find some other sense of community around Essendon, which might just be that you've stuck with the club after this terrible, terrible 10 years. But, like, on the weekend, inspired by my own coach saying that he'd not didn't know about the Marbia Chole story, even though he did. Um, we were talking in this household about coaches that have famously said they didn't see something, even if it happened right in front of them. And, oh, yeah. and John Worsvold is like the original um, and the best at that role. And on the weekend, Mitch Cleary just tweeted some notes from the press conference. Things John Worsvold said he didn't see or wasn't across. Merit punch on Silvani. Dylan Shield bump versus North Melbourne. McGrath free versus Brisbane. Ward head high free tonight. <laughs> Maybe it's time for Ben Martin to do the post match. <laughs> <laughs> like, I'm not even watching. Maybe that's the problem. Maybe that's why you're not winning because the is, that, yeah, winning. I think you're onto something there, Tess. Because I'm just thinking about yeah, you know, we've been talking about which coaches when the team's losing, what angry dad do they become? John Worsfold's like the the dad who's gone and bought a slab for the kids, and he's just going, "Oh, if you need to smoke bongs, at least do it in the house so I can keep an eye on you." And he keeps an eye on them. It doesn't see anything. Didn't <laughs> I, oh, I didn't pick that goal because I actually popped out to get a coffee and I. I just missed it. I just assumed you'd kick the goal. Like, it's maybe if someone watches the game and sees what happens, you'll be able to address it. I don't know. It seems to me a problem. But um, GWS, well, I was watching um, the Babysitter's Club reboot on Netflix for a lot of this, and I would flick back over to the Essendon GWS game, and it was like no goals and no scores. And I was like, I don't think I can do this. And then I flicked over just for the fourth quarter. And so if you're going to go back and watch this game, just watch the last, like, 20 minutes because, of course, then it's close and you have the controversial ward head high free or whatever. But I yeah. thought it was not one for the record books, not one for the DVD. <laughs> I think Tess is filibusting here. Um, <laughs> she doesn't want to get... So Saturday's game, Port Adelaide v Richmond, uh, which Port did pretty convincingly in the end. But there's only one player I want to talk to you about, and that's Josh Caddy. What did you make of that 100-metre penalty, Tess? Oh, my God. You know that vision of Damien Hardwick saying, get out of the way, Josh? That was like we were all in sync, like a robot button where you press it and every single Richmond fan screams the same at the same time. I stood up and I yelled and I was like, what are you doing? Like he just, I will say, Josh Caddy, he's also, I love all my players. Don't get me wrong. I love <laughs> Josh Caddy also has a leg, a full leg tattoo of a woman he thought was hot on Instagram who he has never met. And then he also had a girlfriend at the time who said, who's that? And he said, it's some girl I think is really hot on Instagram. So I'm not, I'm not saying he doesn't make great decisions, but I was like not completely shocked. And fun fact about Josh Caddy, his great uncle was in the Fable Singers, yeah. who made all the uh, the theme songs. Much more fun fact than um, giving away, because also that was such a crucial moment. Because it didn't yeah. feel until then that we were completely out of it. But after that, I was like, oh no. But I will say, I loved that game a lot. Like it was similar to Sun Saints. It reminded me why I 
like football and making Port Adelaide fans cross um, is the best thing you can do for the game because the atmosphere after they really cracked it was just glorious and then I just couldn't tear my eyes away and we played pretty well and we didn't really have a midfield at all and so I do feel like when we get one um, back hopefully this week things will fall into place but I didn't think it was like the end of our season loss I just thought Port were awesome and yeah Port were very very good Uh, question for the group when a field umpire stuffs up a centre bounce and brings it back to do it again we tend to lose one, maybe two seconds off the clock every time that happens, all right? Okay. So if it happens three or four times in a quarter, we're losing, you know, seven, eight seconds off the clock. Now, at the end of the second quarter, Robbie Gray was running into an open goal. It was about to kick it and the siren went, <laughs> meaning the stuffed-up centre bounces cost Port a goal. Should they reset the clock after a, they stuff up a centre bounce? Yes. Yeah. Next question. Yeah, I didn't even really. I that had never occurred to me that they don't stop the clock. Which no, they don't. But they don't. Re, they don't reset it because they better let the clock go until he blows his whistle and goes. I'll throw it up again. Well, do you reckon, Limo? Maybe the Robbie Gray did that on purpose because I got my vibe from this game was uh, last year when my son did Auskick. The last round, of, the last session of Auskick for the year is a is a, what they call their bit of their Mad Monday thing, and it's parents v kids in a match. And uh, and we the parents started well. I got two goals early on, and then uh, the the coach went over and said we're supposed to let the kids win. And I went, oh right, I thought we were building character. And uh, and then you started. They start. It was like Charlie Dixon taking the big marks out the front, you know, ten minutes out, and then purposefully missing them, and occasionally kicking one from the boundary just because you know just to show them that hey, we've still got skills here. So maybe Robbie Gray running in was like, oh, the siren's gone. No, that goal doesn't count. Oh right, okay. Character building. Well, they didn't need it in the end, did they? No, they didn't. It wasn't a one goal. If it was a one goal, you know, victory, I'd probably, I'd, I'd care more. But they really did um, deserve to win. And we really kind of cooked it towards the end. But I was happy enough. That was good. Good. Yes, you are still flag favourites. Let's oh. not get that. Still flag favourites. Uh, let's move on now to Danny's loss. Bulldogs hit 11.672, the same as Richmond. Wow. wow, what a coincidence. Exactly. We, uh, look, Tess has rabbited on, filibustered about the Friday night game, and we've talked a bit too much about Charlie Dixon. Uh, and we talk about the Lions all the time. I'm happy for this game to just be another one-word one. And uh, I'm just going to use uh, – I've already used – so uh, I'll just say Mitch Wallace is amazing. Next game. <laughs> Mitch Wallace is uh, he's very good. He's very He's good. having a career best season. Him and Jack McRae are keeping us uh, off the depressometer at the moment. Yeah. Uh, Tess, do you have one word for this? Archie, Mark, with well, the three words, but that one was an absolute cracker and his goal. And it was good to see him playing footy because Cam Rainer was out. And so Archie got his word, got his way back into the into the team. Danny, did you get the membership email that apparently Bevo sent out, which essentially said, don't blame the players, blame me? And if so, where do you lie? <laughs> Oh, look, yeah, you do get the Bevo's responses, but uh, I, I usually don't watch them because they're just, you know, it's just coach, corporate speak, you know. Uh, 
I didn't realise this one was there was one that was worthy of looking at. I'll, I'll have a look and have a response for you next week if you want. My short response to this game is that Lockie Neal is the captain of my super coach team and he's doing a great job. Although, Clay <laughs> got 180 super coach points. He was absolutely on fire. Mm. Yeah, um, it does work. 40, 40 possessions in a short and quartered game. That's amazing. It's, uh, it is extraordinary. Uh, let's go on to the Sunday game. The West Coast Eagles, 11 goals, 6-72, the same as the Bulldogs and the same as Richmond. Ah. A pattern is developing. <laughs> and it's about to stop. But anyway, it lasted for three games. Tess, you weren't here last week, so you don't remember. Uh, Lemo actually uh, said quite a cruel thing about Levi Casbolt. We were talking about talking to Chelsea Roffey about how she watches the players uh, shot for goal, and Lemo very cruelly uh, singled out Levi Casbolt as a player who who misses set shots, and it was untrue. He'd kicked three straight the week before, but then yesterday he had one of the all-time clangers that didn't even make the distance. And we also uh, talked about how Carlton always blow their leads, and then they did that again yeah. to West Coast. There's a bit of a psychic thing going on in They Came to Play, but only about Carlton. So I'm just going to put this out there. Hey, guys, how weird is it going to be at the end of the season when Patrick Cripps goes to the Bulldogs? <laughs> That's going to be very weird, Danny. Very weird. And I, I, to think they did a straight swap for Marcus Bontempelli. Interesting. Oh, nuts. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so disappointed because I really like seeing any team beat the Eagles at home is quite exciting because the Eagles have like 10 games there in a row now. Um, and so they're very unlikely. Although we did get an, um, an iTunes, an Apple pod review from a big Eagles fan the other day. So go Eagles. But anyway, um, I was really hoping that they would lose in the end. But also they they just play such good footy once they get on a tear. And once Nick Nat yeah. out. And Dom Sheed is the freakiest, like, clutch player in the whole game. He's just amazing. And there was this amazing um, kind of uh, quote getting around about how he, of course, was taken by the Eagles when they could have taken Patrick Cripps. And he said, you know, for so many years, so many of, mate, of his mates would text him Patrick Cripps' stats and stuff after the game. But I would think if you're Eagles, you'd be pretty thrilled with Dom Sheed, who's not only won your premiership but wins your games every second week. He's just a freak. Uh, yeah, I think you'd be very happy with Dom Sheet. And I reckon that home crowd is very helpful too. Good. So Especially uh, they've got this very, very attractive fan named Josie Birch, who is the lady who gave us the nice uh, review. Yeah. Hey, hey, Josie, we, I just could tell by the way you wrote that review that you're a very attractive, good soul person. Join our Patreon. Now, next week, Limo, you <laughs> – one at a time. Next week, Limo, you have to play them. At um at Perth Stadium. So what what's the tactic? How are you going to do it for everybody by knocking off the Eagles at home? Uh, well, we've got a good record against the West Coast Eagles over there. Uh, look, yeah, beat them at the end of last year. We beat them at the end of last year. We beat them in the final series there in 2015 when it really mattered. So I'm actually we lost to them over there. Then we beat them in the grand final. That's right. We beat Fremantle over there in the pre. That's right. But I just feel like we've got a little psychological edge, as Jeff Kennett would say, over the West Coast Eagles. So I have a, I have a sneaky good feeling. But first we've got to get over the Fremantle Dockers tonight mm. at, um, at Perth Stadium. Shall we just have a quick little look-see 
at the last game of the weekend, uh, Melbourne and North <laughs> Melbourne. Hey, Melbourne are up and about. They're up to ninth, as Tess said, but uh, yeah. admittedly they played North and then they, and before that they played the Crows. It's amazing how good you can look when you play two cellar dwellers in a row. I know, and North Melbourne kicked five goals five and the Crows five goals seven. Ugh. A pattern is emerging. A pattern is emerging. <laughs> and I like it. Hey, and just going back to, so three teams kicked 11 goals six on consecutive games, right? And yeah. the day before that, the Gold Coast Suns kicked 11 goals eight seventy four. I know it's a different score, but it's close. Um, not as impressive. <laughs> this is the most tenuous link to try and make this interesting. <laughs> <laughs> That's it's the best we can do. This I, I reckon this might be the low point of the pod of all time. <laughs> if we get anything interesting we can say about North or Melbourne, Christian Petrarca has been great, hasn't he been excellent? Look, yeah, yeah, he has. I did sleep through this game as well, um, which I'm apologise. And next week I'm going in determined to watch the Melbourne game so that it doesn't seem like I'm being. Vindictive. Um, but also Jake Melksham captained a winning team, so that's something to say. That's good, yeah. <laughs> and uh, and I did see on afl.com.au, uh, North were in the firing line, uh, but then I saw it was Damien Barrett's uh, article, so I, I didn't read it. <laughs> uh, do you guys do that? Do you guys look at headlines and go, oh, that's interesting, and then realise it's written by someone from Footy Classified, and you just go, I have no interest in your sensationalism? Yeah, well... Um, you should also follow Fake Footy, which is the fake Fox Footy on Twitter, which does the best job of doing fake headlines after every single game, and it gets me every time, which says a lot about the quality. Um, <laughs> I would say there is a lot of quality, but there's a lot, there's a, quite a lot of quantity as well. There's, yeah, I've I, I read. Very, I've never read so little or watched so few footy shows. Yeah. As I have this year. This year I've only watched games and that's about it. I think a lot of people are doing this and, and our ratings show it. <laughs> <laughs> so if, if you like the pod, tell a friend because, yeah, we need it at the moment. <laughs> Could always use more listeners. Always. Like shows are bad but pods are good. Pods are great. Yeah. yeah. Um, so uh, do we want to do some tips for tonight's games? Sure. Uh, All right. Hawthorne Fremantle, what are we thinking, guys? Uh, sure. <clears throat> what are Frio? Frio are just like one of those sides that... So this is 14th v 15th. The current form, you both won last week. I reckon... Well, just to annoy you, I'll tip Frio. Mm, okay. I can't believe you started with 15th versus 14th instead of the third. This <laughs> is sixth game. It's actually quite exciting. But I am sorry, Limo. I really do think Frio have been building. Uh, this is quite helpful because if you tip against you, you're likely to win. But I'll tip the Dockers. All right. Uh, I am, of course, going with the Hawks. Uh, what about St Kilda and Geelong? Oh, third v sixth. Pretty exciting. I'm breaking so hard for St Kilda. I can't even tell you. Well, if you want to do them a favour, let you know Geelong should win. That'll help St Kilda there. So I'm gonna I'm gonna tip. Uh, no, I think the Saints will win, but I think they'll win their next three games and then fall off a cliff and implode around finals time. Why, why do I think that? Because I've seen St Kilda play my whole life. <laughs> they've, they've developed a pattern. Yeah, yeah. a pattern is emerging. Uh, yeah, <laughs> the pattern is well and clearly emerging. Uh, Tess? 
I'm fully on the Saints. I really, I really think they're onto something, and I really think the curse is the fact that they're that their actual long-suffering fans won't be able to come out of their house and celebrate the fact that they're in grand final. So it'll be a long, like, kind of a slow burn. Um, but I have to tip the Saints, even though I wouldn't say that usually very loudly in this house. But I'll be barracking hard. Uh, there it is. Well, if you are a Patreon subscriber to this podcast, there's a bit more content coming your way. Uh, in the next couple of nights, Tuesday or Wednesday night. Uh, and for everyone else, thanks again for tuning in. Uh, tell a friend if you love it and rate us on uh, Apple as well. And get your friends to rate us. Uh, we love That's if it's a good rating, if it's a shit rating, just back <laughs> off and go somewhere else. Write it in your uh, journal yeah, and yeah, burn it. Get get on get on board with the uh, the Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Uh, we try to answer every message that we get. So if you have got any questions, mate, we're going to get Swamp on very soon. If you have got any questions for Swamp, uh, yeah, hit us up there. And uh, and I haven't told these guys, but uh, I'm thinking about we should do some merch. Some they came to play merch. What do you guys think? Great idea. Great idea. Love it. Um, all right, merch ideas, send it through to us. Do all the work for us. That's what we say. <laughs> yes, yeah, please, please. Uh, thank you, team. Go Walkers. Go time.